This morning, I'm going to go ahead and read a passage of Scripture, and I'm going to have uh, Grayson come in just a, a moment here. If you take this mic and get that, get, get that ready. And um, I want to read this verse, and I'm going to do just a, just a brief little minute or two interview here with Grayson. This will go along with the message. But there's a very wonderful verse, and it's a verse that's very meaningful to me. Because when I was a young man, how old are you, Grayson? 22. 22. I was a little younger than you, but man, I wish I was 22 again. I know most of you thought I was, but yeah. Got it. Missed it by a couple years. Uh, but this is a verse that's very, very meaningful to me. And today we want to talk about the call of God. I want you to think about the call of God. God's still calling. God's still speaking. And the message is the call of God. Here's the verse. And the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will set with me, call. And when I was a young man and God began dealing with my heart about his call, God, the Lord used this verse to confirm my call. And I won't go into the details of how this verse came into my heart so powerfully. But all I can say is as I opened the scripture, that in, that, in those moments I was spending time with him, this verse just, and I think you'll know what I'm saying, it, it almost just jumped off the pages and just grabbed my heart. And I really experienced the move of the Lord as we sang about through this passage of scripture. I mean, you know, we can encounter God through his word. And from that day till this, I've never doubted God's call in my life. And I want to talk to you about the call of God. Now, Grayson has felt the call of God. Tell, tell us where, what you felt and where you feel like God is leading you in his call. Yeah. So I was about four years old and I was up in my bed one night saying my prayers before bed. And I remember audibly hearing the voice of God say the word missionary. And as a four and a half year old, I didn't know what a missionary was. I didn't know what that meant, but this voice told me and I wanted to do it. So I climbed out of my bed. I went downstairs to where my family was watching a movie, climbed up to my mom's lap, and like, hey, this voice, the voice of God told me to be a missionary. My mom's like, that's great. We'll talk about it more in the morning. So the next day, I got up and talked to her about it, and she informed me what that was and what that meant. And ever since then, I've known that's what I'm supposed to do with my life. It's something that God's confirmed to me over points of time, and I've always had a sense of peace about it. I've never questioned it. I've never had second thoughts on it. It's just always what's been in my heart. So from very early, I mean, four yeah. years old, that's, yeah. you know, most four-year-olds are playing with Tonka toys. Yeah. And you don't even know what a Tonka toy is, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, so very early, yeah. you know, and I've heard of this, that, that the Lord dealing with young people, with children even, you know, I've, I've heard that the, someone said this, I heard a, a missionary say this, that the, the good soil mm -hmm. of Matthew 13 is the heart of a child. And I've never forgotten that. Oh, and there's some of the kids <laughs> using the restroom. But so their hearts are so tender. So your heart was tender. Yeah. You felt God spoke to you, heard his voice. Mm -hmm. And your mom's going, okay, we'll talk about it in the morning. Yep. So, so you, you said something very important. But through the years, it's not, it wasn't a passing like, you know, you heard something at church and you start just parroting it. This is something that through the years, 
the Lord has confirmed, yeah. you've, you've fed into, you've, mm-hmm. you've learned more about. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Where do you feel like the Lord is calling you to in the yeah. missions? So when I was 15, uh, God showed me the country of Mongolia through uh, several supernatural ways, through a process of three days, just showing this country continual to me that I had no idea about. And I started to look into it and learn about it and realize that's where God wanted me to go. And so Mongolia is where my heart is and where I feel like God's calling me to go. And the more I learn about it, the more I see there's a need there and a bigger burden in my heart there because um, the Assemblies of God alone hasn't had missionaries there in the past six or seven years. Yes. And they just finally got some people in the country. But there's been this massive gap in time where Mongolia's had almost no outreach to their country. It was closed until the 90s because it was... Uh, under communist occupation. And so missions work is still very fresh in that country within the past yeah. 20, 30 years. So it's very new there. It's very new. Yes. Um, so right now, what are you doing right now? You're studying, you're, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're still in the, maybe the, the, the preparation part. And so what's, what's that look right now? Yeah. So right now I'm working with the Assemblies of God on getting my credentials. I've just finished up the first step in that. My paperwork is off in Springfield to get me registered as a minister. And then I'm also looking at becoming a English teacher to teach English in the country as a way to minister to the people and making connections. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the direction God is leading me right now that I feel. Uh, but I'm open for any other opportunities or possibilities he may lead me in to better serve the people there. Really, however I can best serve, if it's not teaching English, if it's getting a degree in engineering or something, I'm willing to do what needs done to reach the people there. But the goal is missions. Yes, the end goal is missions. English or engineering would be a tool Mm -hmm. to get in country, teach those things, and to share Christ as you live among them. Well, that's amazing. Is that amazing that God is calling young men and young women to be to to missions work? We're going to be praying with you. We want to walk with you in the journey, and we look forward to that day. We don't look forward to it. It's going to be a sad day. You know, some people bless you coming, some people bless you leaving. You you make it a sad day for us yeah. when you go, but we want to be able to we want to send you out. Yeah. And so, well, thank you, Grayson. Thank you. thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Let's let him know we appreciate him. So I want to talk about the call of the Lord today. And this is gonna, you know, we look at the call of God, and oftentimes when we when it mentions the call of God, when we mention the call of God, we often think about a missionary that's gonna go overseas somewhere. And I was uh, I was north of Mongolian Mongolia about it's been many years ago. It's about 1992. I was in a, a town in Russia called Irkutsk, and it's about 100 miles north of the Mongolian border. We did some missions work there. And so I kind of uh, know how long the plane ride is going to be for, for Grace. And in fact, several plane, plane rides. And, but we often think of that type of ministry or like a pastor serving a congregation but I believe the call of God is not just what we would call, and I'm going to be careful here, but it vocational type ministry. But I want us to see something else today. I want us to see that there is a call of God upon each and every one of us. And in fact, I, I want to define some things today that I trust will help you. But what we do see, not only, well, we saw an example today of someone saying that I felt young, the call of God, and I've, God has confirmed that, and I'm, I'm working toward that. I'm studying. I'm, I'm preparing for that moment where God will send me out. Paul and Barnabas did that in, uh, in Acts chapter 13. 
You heard me say and testify that I, I sense the call of God, this, this distinct, powerful drawing to do something for the Lord. I read a definition a description, if you will, about the call of God. Jack Hayford said this, and I, I, I want to quote this, and I hope this will be on the screen because I can't really improve on this. He said, well, what is the call of God? And I love this statement. He says, and I quote, the, the biblical idea of God's calling is not simply that he invites men to serve him. The call of God is more than that. You might, you might say the call of God is an invitation with clout to it. It is more like a summons. The summons comes, comes from the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, laying hold of the one summon, convincing him or her that God has spoken. The purpose of the call is that the one summoned might participate and enjoy the blessed benefits of God's redemptive purposes and participate in the great commission to reach the world for Jesus Christ. What a wonderful definition and close quote there. When we open the word of God, what we see is we see many different calls in the scripture. And if you've read your Bible, you know there are many calls there. there let me mention them just in introduction. There's, there's a call to salvation. We're here today because we heard that call. Like he said to Peter, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's salvation. We've been brought out of the darkness of sin, brought into the light of his saving grace and redemption. There's a call to service. As I mentioned, Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. And you, it may be, you may be interested to know that how that call came. Uh, it seems to me in that chapter, they were in a prayer meeting. And the Spirit came on one of the prophets or the teachers, and they spoke and said these words, separate them. It seems like it came as a prophetic word in a kind of prayer meeting gathering of the prophets and the teachers. They, they, they felt that that was a word from the Lord, and they took off and went on what's called the first Paul's first missionary journey. There's a call to service. There's a call to sanctification. That just means godly living, the kind of living that God prescribes for his saved people. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by, the marginal note says, to glory and virtue. God has called us by his glory and virtue, but God's already also, we could say it this way, he's called us to a life of glory and virtue. And it's going to get better and better. I think Brother Richard Jason may be mentioned when we enter heaven. It's going to be a glorious time. But we already, we already are going from glory to glory in this call to live a sanctified life. There's a life for the saved. You, you may be surprised that there is a call in the scripture to suffering. You say, well... I want somebody else to get that call. I don't want that call, Pastor. I like that call to service. I like that call to glory, suffering. Yeah, listen to what Peter says. For what credit is it to you if you're beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patient, patiently, this is commendable before God. For this, to this you were called. Do you see that, church? Because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. 
So what we see is all these different kinds of calls of God. The one I want to focus on and unpack today is the call to serve him. God has called us to build a church. The only way we can build this church is if, if we hear his call to serve him. Churches that grow are grow because people serve him. And they care about the church and they care about the community. So I want to unpack this. And in this message, and it won't be a long message, but it, I want to give you three definitive statements. And then I want to unpack these statements. The first two will be a little longer. The, le- the third one is like almost a, cl- a conclusion. But there's three f- statements, and we'll unpack these after I give them to you. The first statement is this. God has called you to a task. Did you hear that? God has called you and I to a task. The second statement is this. God has created you for a task. And thirdly, God has consecrated you for that task. Now let's look at the first one this morning. Number one, first is this. God has called you to a task. Now listen, understand what I'm saying. Not just the pastor, not just the associate, not just a a youth pastor, not just Grayson as a a vocational missionary. But I want you to hear this and and may may this get down in our hearts and minds. And that's this. The Lord has called each of us to a task, and that task is a definitive, it's a forceful, it's a personal call that each follower of Jesus Christ has in some manner and in some aspect. We could say it this way. We could say it this way. God has called us to his service, his eternal plan. Now, this is, this is an amazing thing to me. That this call to service is not just some kind of, you know, some kind of optional thing. You know, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll go to church there. We'll enjoy the music. We'll enjoy the ministry. We'll enjoy some of the, some of the stuff that's going on there. And then we kind of think service is optional. I want to be very clear that service, hear this, service for every single follower of Jesus Christ is built in to his eternal plan in eternity past. He has designed, he has called us from eternity past that when we become a part of his body that we will serve. Now look at this verse, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. And this is really a play on words. You know, people want to work for their salvation. Lord, I'm going to do all this stuff, and surely you're going to save me. No one gets saved by good works. We're only saved by his workmanship. And what is that work? That's his death, that's his burial, and that's his resurrection. That's the work we cling to, to be saved. But notice this, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good Works. Notice, which, he, which God prepared when? Beforehand that we should walk in this. Walk in them. That means this. See, we're not saved by works, but works follow. We're not saved by works, but works of righteousness and works of practical service follow and, and come out of the overflow of what God has done in his saving mercy and his saving grace. Did you notice in verse 10, it says God has a work prepared. He prepared this beforehand. He has prepared a work for you. Listen, there is a work prepared for every single person here, every single Christian watching online. See some of our folks watching online. And you are, a work is prepared for you. 
And it says in verse 10 in that verse that he wants us to walk in these. That's activity. There's activity in the Christian life. There should be no lazy Christians. Apathy and neglect is something that Jesus has very strong opinion about, especially in the Laodicean church. said he would spit them out of his mouth. They weren't hot. They weren't cold. They were lukewarm. He has some very strong uh, opinions from the throne of God for that. So he says God's prepared this work. He wants you to walk in them, and he calls it, verse 10, he calls it in Ephesians 2, 10, a work. So that means this, it requires effort in the work. The work is, it's, it's the work of the Lord. How do you spell service? How do you spell ministry? How's our church going to grow? W-O-R-K. Oh, I'm getting tired already, Pastor. It's the work, yeah. It's the work. It's, it's hard work. Spiritual work is, is hard work. And, and Paul said it this way in Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brethren, listen to what he says. Be steadfast. Don't, don't, stay steady. He says, be immovable. Don't be moved away from the work. Always abounding. But do more, more than you did last year in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, God has a task and a service for us to do, and it's his eternal work that he prepared for you to be active in and to be working in. God is a work for us. Amen? God is a task for us. Not only has God called us to this eternal plan, but notice this, God has called you to his service. I would call it his, edi his edifying plan, not just his eternal plan, not that he just called you in eternity past to make a difference, a specific plan, a specific call, but it's also his edifying plan. What, what do I mean by that? We're called, listen, we are called to be blessers. Come on, say amen. We're called to bless and we are called to build the body of Christ. Woe, woe be to the person who brings harm to Christ's body. Now, the Lord has some very strong opinions here, too, of those that would bring division or harm or false doctrine or immorality. Jesus, or Paul, through the, uh, the Lord through Paul, gave us these words. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, look at this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you see that? You're the temple of God. You, you now, this, this verse is not talking about you as an individual, though each of us as Christians are, have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But this verse doesn't have to do with you and I individually. This verse has to do with the entire church meeting together, the entire body. He says, you church are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. But notice the next verse. Are you listening? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Everybody say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you, plural, you are. There's many ways that the church can be destroyed. Sometimes the church is destroyed just simply through laziness and neglect. Sometimes it's destroyed most of the time through division and through pride, through arrogance, through false doctrine. Immorality can so affect a church. And, and the Lord says this, Woe be to the person who defiles and destroys 
a, a local church. It's a very serious matter. Notice what the Lord says about this call of God. We, we are called to this eternal plan, but we're called to this edifying plan. When we are called by God, God said this is to be the result. Look at what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says. This is the net Bible. It says, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. So that means this, that your life is to so be overflowing in, in, as you're walking in your call, as you're fulfilling this eternal plan, as you're, you're engaging that plan, you're walking in that plan, and you're serving in the call of God somewhere in the body of Christ. And what, what are you doing? You're benefiting the work of God. You're benefiting the church. You're lifting the church up. You're advancing the call of God. You're advancing the gospel. You're strengthening and not weakening the bottle. Why? Because this call is edifying call. It's an edifying plan. When Paul went to the Romans, and he'd never been there before. Paul wrote a letter to a group he'd never even seen before. A church was probably established in Rome from Acts chapter 2 when it lists all the different nationalities that were there on the Feast of Pentecost. Thousands were saved. Those people probably went back, some of them to Rome, and a very powerful church was established to where that their faith was being spoken of all and over all the Roman Empire. They're saying, listen, there's a church in Rome. Jesus' church is alive in Rome. Paul knew that that was the hub of the whole world. That's where the influence of the whole world resided. And he, he, he longed to go preach to them. He, so he wrote a letter to them to describe the gospel that he preaches. And it's called the book of Romans. And in saying, I'm coming to see you someday, notice what he said about his call and what was going to happen when he went there. Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, I long to see you. And this is touching to me because look at me a second. These are people he'd never seen. Listen, do you understand? We have brothers and sisters all over the world that we've never seen. I was watching this morning. I slept in. I got up at 3, so... Um, and I, and I went to a website where you can hear live sermons all over the world. And they were preaching, and it was in uh, Africa or Ireland or somewhere. I think it was Africa. And this man was preaching. And it was something about God's call. I can listen to someone, and I can tell you, I don't have to listen very long to know if there's a call of God on that person's life. Now, I'm not, I'm not their judge. I can just tell you there's something about someone speaking under the call of God. There's an authority. There's a call. There's an equipping there. And I heard this man. And he was speaking. And I could sense something. He's my brother. I've never met him. But oh, how I got a blessing from him today. He was fulfilling his call. And I got benefited. He started praying. And he prayed for quite some time. Just standing in the pulpit. Praying. And I, I was... I was, in, I was feeling his prayer. I was, I was receiving something spiritual from his prayer. And here's what Paul said. I long, to, I long to see you and to share a spiritual blessing with you. Isn't this so different than our American kind of me, get me, 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 promote me, and what can I get out of it? That's kind of the, there's, a, there's an attitude of that in our land. What am I going to get out of it? Paul said, I want to come see you. Because I have a spiritual blessing. And that doesn't mean that Paul was going to do it. But the anointing and the, and the call and what God had given Paul, he was able to minister and to bless others. 
And then it said, then he said, but he, and he said, so that I may strengthen you, you may be strengthened. But then he said, oh, wait a second, lest they think I'm a little prideful, verse 12. What I mean is that we may be encouraged by each other's faith. See, when we are walking in the call of God and we're doing what God's called us to do, we're blessing each other. We're helping each other. We're encouraging each other. We leave better than when we came in the door. Why? Because we're allowing the Spirit of God to flow through us, not only in this eternal call, but this edifying call. We're called to be a blessing. We don't ever want to drag anyone down. We don't want to ever discourage God's people. We want to be a blessing. Can I hear an amen? amen. When we're walking in our calling, what we become is a vessel of blessing. To the body of Christ. But but look at this. Not only have we all been called to a task. You're called. You're thinking, "Hmm, Pastor, you're talking about this call. I don't know if I'm called. I'm telling you, by the authority of the word of God, everyone has a call to participate in service to the body of Christ. It's his eternal plan. It's eternal call. It's that edifying call but look at this it's also what I just call his enjoyment plan see the Lord designed the Christian life that you and I can only be happy when we are serving in his perfect will I think some of the most miserable people I've ever met haven't been some old drunk sitting at a bar somewhere he ain't got no sense he don't even hardly know he's lost he don't know he's in America But you know how I've met some miserable folk. He thinks he's happy. He's not. Some of the most miserable people who are saved, but they're not serving God. They're not serving. They're not active in God's plan. They're not working in God's plan. The the, the idols of the world have have stolen all that time, and their lives are so cluttered, they they don't have a little sliver of time for God. And they're not happy with the joy of the Lord. Do you want to be happy? Get in God's will. You want to get blessed? Be in God's will. See, the greatest blessing that God wants to unfold in each of our lives is only going to happen when we become activated and start walking in the pathway of his plan and of his purposes. Outside of God's will, there's nothing but misery. But living in God's will brings that deep sense of happiness and satisfaction. Listen to what Deuteronomy said to the Israelites of why they were so miserable. Maybe you've never seen this verse. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 45 through 48. Now, this is the blessing and cursing chapter. Remember that? And, and, and some of this applies to us, but, some, but there's a principle here. Or some applies to them and not to us. But, but the fact is, I think there's an underlying principle here for, for universal that, that we could draw out. See, every, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. It may not specifically apply to us, nor should we apply it, but we can receive some kind of thought and nourishment, kind of universal. And I think what I see in these passages is when any child of God, whether they, they serve the Israelites or us today, if when we serve God or we don't serve God, we, we uh, or let me say it this way, we should serve him in joy. Now notice, let me just read it. Let God God speak. I've tried to explain. I did a very bad job there. Okay. Verse 45. Moreover, all of these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which I commanded you. Look at verse 46 as they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder 
on, on your descendants forever. Verse 47, because. Because these negative, terrible things are happening to you. Not because I want them to happen. Lord, I want to bless you. I want you to inherit the promised land. I want you to be there. I mean, all these blessings... But we have a choice whether we will take up the call of God, take up the eternal plan, the edifying plan, and this enjoyment plan. Notice verse 47. All these things came upon you because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need and everything, and I will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. God puts choices before us. And the Lord said, I want you to serve me in my plan of enjoyment. Serve him in joy. Now look at this. Romans speaks to this. This subject of the call of God. The will of God. The purpose and plan of God. There's joy in serving the Lord. Romans talks about how in verse Romans 12 and 1, beseech you by the mercies of God. What he's talking about is the, the salvation, the death and the resurrection and how the riches of God's grace has saved us. These mercies of God. He said, now because of the, the mercy of Jesus on the cross, dying for our sin, raising for our justification, he said this, now what you need to do is present your bodies. Present all that you are to God. Give your whole life to God, body, soul, spirit, everything, holy and acceptable, which is a reasonable service. Can you imagine something? What's more reasonable than Jesus leaving heaven, dying for us on the cross, suffering so terribly? And isn't it reasonable that we just give our lives of service to him? And notice what he says about this plan. Don't be conformed to the world. That's, a, that's the selfishness. He talks about that in verse 3. Don't be conceited. But in verse 2 here, he says, don't be like the world. Self-centered. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good. How I many know his will is good? It's acceptable to God. See, when we follow and walk in his will, he's pleased with us. It's acceptable to him. It's the, and the perfect will of God. God has a perfect plan for each of us. Quickly. The psalmist speaks to this. Serve the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. See, the Lord has a task for each person listening today. It's his eternal plan for you. It's his plan for you to edify and build and help the church to move forward in this dark world. It's also a plan of enjoyment. It's where you're going to find your happiness. It's where you're going to find your joy because it's his plan of enjoyment. But notice this. It's also his, his call, God's call to for us to service is I would call it his exciting plan. What more exciting thing to do? Come on. What more exciting thing to do than be a follower of Jesus Christ? Following his plan. Watching how God will use us. Watching how he will unfold his purpose and plan in our life. I would call it, it's the most exciting plan there is. It's, it's the excitement of trusting the Lord. It's the excitement of stepping out of the boat and trusting him. It's, it's like Abraham who on his great journey of faith. Now we read these words and we read these words so many times that we've lost the, the excitement 
the, the risk of Abraham just stepping out on nothing but one word from God. He had no insurance policy. He didn't have a plan B. He didn't even have a, he didn't have a six months plan. He didn't have a two day plan. He had a one day plan. And notice what it says about this excitement of following God's call and will. He said in Hebrews eleven eight, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham, go that way. That's it. Can you imagine hinging your whole life on a word like that? Honey, God's calling us to move. Where are we moving? I don't know. Where's our house we're moving to? Don't have one yet. Where's it that we're going? What city? Don't know. I just know we're going that way. Well, from where he was in, in, uh, in uh, Mesopotamia, he would have gone over the Fertile Crescent, what they call the Fertile Crescent, and he would have gone uh, northwest, and then he would have come down and gone uh, 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 yeah, northwest and then southwest. We're going to go, honey, we're going to go northwest and southwest, and then, you know, kind of a need-to-know basis, I think, because he just gave me one word. Can you imagine how risky that is? How much faith is that? And that's what he did. And the excitement of God demonstrating his power when we step out. This exciting plan. Abraham gets to the promised land. He's been there quite some time and the Lord's blessing him. See, because when we get in God's will, God starts blessing us. When we get out of the will of God, God will not bless us. He's not obligated to bless us. But the pathway of obedience is the pathway of his blessing. And Abraham obeys the Lord. He gets there and his lot, lot, his nephew, gets taken away by four great nations. Four nations came against five nations and the five nations, I guess, weren't very good. So they got beat up, fell in some salt pits, uh, asphalt pits. And then Abraham knew that that was his, his nephew Lot was among them. He probably said, my brother's going to kill me if I don't get that boy back. You know, you you got family members like that, always getting into stuff. You have to mail, bailing them out all the time. Don't shout me down. I know. Yeah, your family's like ours. But notice this. It says that Abraham, four nations, took 318 trained men from his household, and they pursued them. They pursued them all the way. They went to the gate of Dan. I know that. I was at the gate of Dan. It's been excavated, and I stood there. It's four, over 4,000 years old, and you can read in Genesis 14 where he went there, and then they, the servants pursued them all the way up to the edge of Damascus, which is about another 75 miles, and guess what? They brought Lot back, brought all the goods back. They recovered everything. See, here's, how exciting is that? To venture out for God. Now, we don't have all the story. We don't have all the details. But I can guarantee you, 318 men can't go against four nations and win without the supernatural help of God. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Abraham, it wasn't included in the canon of Scripture. But I want you to tell me how God supernaturally won that victory to you for you. I mean, you know, when we get in God's eternal plan, his, his edifying plan, his, his, his wonderful, exciting plan, then God, we will see 
his incredible power demonstrated as we walk in the pathway of his purpose and will. Exciting thing. I'm telling you, the Lord has called us to his eternal, his edifying, his exciting, and his enjoying plan. Listen, the Lord has a task for you to do in this body and in this world. Let me mention the second one, and I'll close with the third one. The second thing is I want you to see this. Not only has God called you to task, you were created for this task. This is what you were created for. And and that means this. when, When God, in his sovereign purpose, calls anyone to anything, he equips them for the task for which he's called them to do. In other words, are you like me? When I do something around the house, in the yard, or outside, or in the garage, and I don't have the right tools, it is so frustrating to me. Now, this week I was over at Brother David Cowan's house. And I went to his garage. He took me out to his garage. And he, 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 was, he worked for Halliburton for over 40 years. And he, they were, he was a machinist. So, I mean, they were so skilled. Their, their, their margin of error was, was just fractions. Plus or minus, but just fractions. Hundreds and hundreds of just measurements. And so he said, when we needed a tool, we just make our own tool. That's how skilled they were. They just make a tool. They wouldn't go to Walmart or a hardware store. They'd make it to. So David, he, he showed me, he opened every one of his boxes, his, his uh, toolbox. Every, every single one of them. It's like four or five of them. Open one, he had, like, he had like five tape measures in there. And then he had more on the shelf, and he had these tools that were just amazing. I said, David, you have about everything you need. And uh, if you've ever done a job and you don't have the right tools, it's harder to do it. It's frustrating. It takes longer. But do you know what? When God calls you to a task, he creates you for the task. He gives you the tools to be successful in what he's called you to do. See, the Bible talks about gifts. Do you realize that everyone in this room has at least one gift? Everyone has at least one. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. How many know there's many gifts mentioned in Scripture? First Corinthians talks about all these gifts. It talks about in First Corinthians 4, 5, and 7, how that there's difference of gifts and there's differences of activities and different ways that God moves through people, but it's all the same Holy Spirit. Amen? And then he mentions this in verse 8. He mentions the word of wisdom. He mentions the word of knowledge. Verse, verse 9, faith, that's supernatural faith, mountain-moving faith. He mentions in that verse gifts of healing. Verse 10, workings of miracles. Verse 10, uh, prophecy, inspired utterance. He, he mentions discerning of spirits, which you desperately need today in this hour. He mentions different kinds of tongues. He mentions interpretation of tongues. And then he says, but to one and the self-same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. What are these? These are Holy Spirit equipments. These are Holy Spirit empowerments to make ministry effective, to make our lives effective as we serve in the call of God. And Romans also mentions gifts. Now, some scholars have called these life motivations. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Because in each of our hearts, we have these motivations, don't we? We have these desires. There's a desire 
to do something. God puts desires in us. And in Romans, he says, verse 6, 12, 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. He said, if prophecy, let him prophesy unto the proportion of his faith or ministry. That's service. Diakonos, service, practical service. Let us, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with the liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with, with cheerfulness. And these are really callings and motivations that, that, that when we're walking in the call of God, people want to prophesy. They want to speak for God or they want to serve in some practical way. I remember years ago, Brother, Brother Joey McClure, he used to always come up on a Sunday morning. Pastor, how can I help you? That's what he would say. Pastor, how can I help you? See, what's that? That's the practical service. The ministry of giving. There is definitely a ministry of giving. How God has blessed certain people with means. And they use it for good. They use it for the work of God. They use it to further the gospel. They use it to build the work of the Lord. Showing mercy. There's some people that have a strong gift of mercy. They have a great gift of compassion. And their hearts are moved. You know, Jesus said he was moved with what? With compassion. I'm, I'm, I'm telling us today and speaking today and saying there's a task. God has called you to task. God has created you for that task. He's, he's gifted you for that task. And this last thought will be my conclusion. And that is he's consecrated you to this task. And, and, and this goes along with the second one in this. You have an anointing. We hear a lot about the anointing as if only certain people are anointed. I disagree with that according to scripture. There is an anointing upon the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are to be an anointed people. There's not just one or two of them, but Moses said, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. I wish the spirit of the Lord was on all of God's people. And in the New Testament, this can be true, that the anointing is to rest upon each of our lives. And what is that? What is that consecration? What is that anointing? That anointing is just simply the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit. It is the equipping of the Spirit. You'll remember this verse. You shall receive power. And the Amplified Bible adds this as it amplifies. It says, you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. You shall receive ability. You shall receive efficiency. You shall receive might. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the consecration is this. The consecration is the anointing is simply God's presence with you to enable you to do what God has called you to do. The Lord, the Lord may have called you to be a worship leader or a preacher or a, a helps person. We need more of that than anyone in the church. We're always needing someone to help. But you have an anointing. You have a consecration from God. Have you ever asked yourself how Paul, the little Jew from Tarsus, could do all the things that he did in his life? In the natural, it was impossible. You know, extra biblical literature says that Paul was a very short man, probably less than four feet, less than five feet. And he, he, he was a man out of crook nose. And think of all the stuff he went through. How could a, how could a small statured man impact the entirety wor entire world of his day. And Paul tells us how. 
He says this, 1 Corinthians 15.10. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. It was God's supernatural consecration. It was that anointing. It was the Holy Spirit supernaturally revealing Paul, through Paul, his power, his mercy, and his grace. What I would like for us to do today, as we conclude this time of ministry in the word, is I think we need to stir up the gift of God. Maybe there's some gifts and talents and abilities here that the Lord wants to harness, but you've, you, they're, they're, they're laying dormant. They're not, they're not rekindled. Paul said it this way. This is the Christian Standard Bible, and this is 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Therefore, I remind you to, to rekindle the gift of God. Now, if you have to rekindle something, that means you had something that, that had, in a sense, died away. It had lost its effectiveness. And he says here, rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound judgment, sound mind. See, when we rekindle the gift of God, see, gifts can be neglected, inactive. They can lack unction in our lives, but we, we need to rekindle them. In other words, we need to pursue the calling again. Timothy, this is what God's called. Rekindle the call. Rekindle the will of God in your life. And God will stir and you'll see that anointed again. It's, by, it's getting active in the work of God again is when the anointing comes. There's people that are sitting around in a prayer closet somewhere and I'm, I'm for prayer. I'm for prayer. No, I mean, listen, nobody's talked about prayer more than me, I don't think. But listen, sometimes we, there's a time to stop praying and to get active in the work of God. And as we go forth and do what God has called us to do, that's when the anointing begins to equip us. When we start getting more children's classes, when we go out and knock doors and, and witness to our community, when we do outreaches, when we, when we seek to reach more young people or youth or, or whatever, when we get active, that's when the anointing comes. You want the anointing? Don't sit around in a prayer closet for nine years Pray enough time in the prayer closet and then go and do what God's called you to do. And the presence of God will go with you. So I conclude with this. The Lord has called you to a task. He's called you and I to serve him in his body. The Lord has created you for a task. That means he spiritually gifted you to make a difference, to be a blessing machine. We're to be a blessing factory. And the Lord has consecrated you for his task. God's spirit is upon you. He is upon you to accomplish his will that he's called you. I want us to pray. I'm going to ask our piano player to come. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would you just worship? Would you just lift your hands up? Even if you don't, you have to lift them. Just, just kind of stretch them up toward the Lord. That's the universal sign of surrender. We worship you. Lord Jesus, we bless your awesome and your great name. Hallelujah. We bless your wonderful name. We glorify your wonderful and your great name. Lord, we know that we, according to your kingdom plan, your word, we're not to live our lives in selfishness. We're not to spend our lives in, e in an egotistical, self-focused manner. 
But Lord, as you saved us, you saved us to serve the one who died for us. You saved us to get our eyes off our self-pity and our problems and whatever's going on in our world, even in our personal life, and to look out and to begin to serve others and help others. Lord, we know that whatever we focus on, we get more of. And we want to focus on Jesus today. We want to surrender to him. We want to stir up the gift of God. We want to rekindle the call of God. And I don't know what God has called you to, but I know according to the authority of the word of God, each one has a gift. It may be a gift to do clerical work or to do financial work or to, or to preach or to teach or to, or to organize or to lead some kind of ministry or to minister to kids or youth or senior adults or to, or to worship and sing or to play an instrument or to organize something or to clean, just simply to keep the, the, keep the house of God tidy and in excellent shape. It may be a gift of giving where you have means and you're able to support and to, to help pro- propagate the gospel and, give a, and help to have a great place of worship. I don't know what God has called you to do, but I know gifts can be neglected. They can lie dormant. I know they can be unanointed. But today I pray that right there where we all are, that we would stir up the gifts of God within us. Hallelujah. Right there where you are, we just continue to pray. Lord, Lord, touch our hearts today. Father, touch our lives today, Lord Jesus. Stir up the gift. Maybe pray that prayer in your own way. Lord, help rekindle my calling. Once again, church, we're not talking about to go to some place like Mongolia, like Grayson, or to be lead a church or to be able to vote. We're talking about practical service that the Lord has called us to be good stewards of the grace of God, which is in our lives. He's called you to bless and to benefit this body. He's called you to be an encourager. He's called you to to lift up the body and to make it stronger than it would be if you weren't here. I want us all, if we could, to stand. Let's stand as we continue to pray. Right there where you are, just let God stir and rekindle the gifts of God that's in you. That calling. Lord, make it effective in me. Jesus. If you want to be happy, dear ones, listen, you need to be in his will. You need to be doing what he's called you to do. I really can't help you like I want to help you if you won't obey and serve the Lord. As much as I want to help you, I really very limited in, in helping you if you're not willing to surrender and to, and to serve as a, as a servant, as a humble servant as Christ was in the body and so right there where you are just you and the Lord just have a little conversation with him and let there be a new surrender to God's plan to God's purpose and his will some of you are called very strongly maybe to prayer ministry some may be called to nursing home ministry some may be called just to fix the, just to mow the grass. Some may be called to, 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 to a hospitality and, and preparing food for the saints of the Lord.
Some may be called to visit the sick and to pray for them. Others may be called to be uh, uh, more prophetic in speaking the word of the Lord. But I know there are gifts. And, And if you want those gifts to flow and be active, just once again, lift your hands and say, Lord, anoint me afresh. Anoint me with your divine and holy presence. And Lord, we're going to obey you in this. We want to do what you called us to do. We want to make your church effective. We want to move forward in this body. And we ask you, Lord, to remove every hindrance to our callings. And the the main hindrance is our own unwillingness to surrender to your will. So, Lord, just let every resistance of our will be gone to your will. And let us surrender. And we say, yes. Yes, Jesus. Maybe you just want to say that. I say yes to you, Jesus. I will serve you. I will do what you call me to do. I will obey your calling in my life. I will obey the task. I will yield to your plan because I want to be a blessing factory. We want to bless your body. We want to love your people. And we thank you. Now just right there where you are, just worship the Lord. Right there. Come on, open your mouth. Just worship. We love you, Jesus. Let the fruit of our lips be released. The fruit of our lips giving thanks in his name. We bless you. We worship you. We thank you. Oh, God, we thank you for the privilege of serving you. We worship your great name. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name. Bless your name. Thank you, Father. Now listen, church. I want to say one more thing, and then we'll, we're going to close this service, conclude this time. We're going to have an update for just maybe a few minutes. If you want to raise your family properly, in, in a day when these little kids have so much coming at them, they're trying to indoctrinate these little boys and girls. Serve the Lord in the church with your family. Take your kids along with you. Let them see you at the prayer meeting. Bring your kids with you to the prayer meeting. Come and serve in in ways. Get your kids involved in serving in the church. It will make an incredible difference in their lives because they're around anointed God. They're around godly people. They're around anointed people. They're watching people walk in the spirit. They're watching people. See, we learn to relate to each other. And this is going to have tremendous benefits later on in their marriages and in their interpersonal relationships. Serve the Lord as families. Don't don't just leave your kids out of that. So, Father, we pray today that you would anoint Trinity Life Church. Lord, you've called us to a task. We We have everything we need. We have all the staff we need. We have all the servants we need. We have all the workers we need if all of us would be consecrated to this work. I ask you, Father, to bless Trinity Life Church. Bless those that were not able to make it today. May, you, may they receive your love today. Father, I pray over our building process that, that this week would be a good week for us as we move forward in this building process. I pray for the waterline guys that have seemed to be having a struggle. Help them to finish this week. And Lord, I pray that this week we'll see some steel go up. What an exciting time this is going to be. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you.